You've tuned in to the All In IT Radio, where Kenneth and his co-hosts broadcast from their travels around the universe. Listen to them discuss anything and everything related to information technology. We are Swedes and we talk tech. So welcome to another episode of the All In IT Radio. We are not together as a team this time either actually you see last episode i crawled into the cockpit to get some privacy and and i let uh, robin and henrik carry on in other parts of our spaceship in which we are traveling at the moment we are leaving the red planet but you see i stayed in a cockpit and i, I filled with some knobs and some dials and i don't know really what and, and i actually got a signal and I got a person in the other end. So, welcome, you will soon back to the show. Thank you very much. So, it's a real treat to be able to talk to you, but but what are you doing here? How? Why did I get in contact with you now? I don't remember, actually. No, me neither. I'm just here from, uh, you know, the other minute to two now. Just here, I don't know. You just appeared. Yeah, I just appeared. I don't know what happened, actually. Yeah, no. Because no. I've, I've been avoiding this moment for a long time, so... I know! Why? Why? <laughs> because uh, I had to prepare. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. The shuttle. I mean, you're a born... Born boring. You were born entertaining. I was born. And your English is excellent, and everything you say is interesting. I mean, you are denying the world a treat by not being on the All Night radio. So I'm really happy that you <laughs> finally decided to show up, even if it's when uh, Henrik and Robin isn't here. Yeah, that is really a treat to have you here. So what do you think we should discuss today, then? Well, what should we talk about on this, your first appearance on the All in IT Radio? Well, um, uh, you thought that we are talking about me, and I thought that we should be talking about you. Because you are a very interesting person, right? So, <laughs> but uh, maybe not. And, and if we aren't going to talk about you or me, what's left? Well, uh there are a, a bunch of very intelligent people around the world. True. Yeah, you know, stepping from us to other intelligent people, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, but what about uh, machines that are more intelligent than we are? And I have people close to me that uh, are specifically saying that most machines, even VCRs from the 80s, are more intelligent than us, but yeah, sure, absolutely. Sounds like an interesting topic. So, but I don't know what, what about my phone. It's a smartphone, but I don't think it's smart anyway. So, what do we mean when we say smart or intelligent? I don't know. It's a lot of um, layers in that topic. This sounds like the perfect setup for a wonderful time discussing interesting topics. But before we get into that, let's turn over to the one cool thing. Alright, my cool thing for this episode is that 
the Swedish institution Lantmäteriet are opening its databases. Lantmäteriet does mapping of all of Sweden. Mm. And they have sold their maps. They have a lot of different maps. And they have sold it uh, up until now. They will open not everything, but, but a lot of it, so that you have an open API and can create... Uh, apps, for example, or programs that accesses these maps. That means that Google Maps could actually incorporate them in their systems. The maps will be released under a Creative Commons license as well. I'm quite surprised at this. They will start doing this this year. So July this year, we will get the large, the broad Uh, the broadest version of their map, which has a scale of 1 to 250,000, where you can see where, well, where there are houses and roads and stuff. Uh, And uh, 1st of January next next year, you will see the terrain map, and then they'll continue with other maps as well, road maps and such. And this is a big change for them. And I... I'm really excited. It's fun. Maps are fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, what is it called in in uh, English? Kovending. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess this is a kovending. Absolutely. Now turn. Okay. Uh, lapkast. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to translate that either. Yeah, because they were re- really protecting this monopoly of theirs. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, uh, still, I, I suppose you you are not allowed to, when you go up in a small plane, you are not allowed to take uh, photos. I don't know if it's still applied, this law. But anyway, it, it um, they are protecting this, the, the, the right to, I don't know, it's uh, secrecy about how Sweden looks from above. Yeah, it's strange. I, I guess it's military secrets and such, but... Yeah, I, I suppose so. And they're also releasing their, what they call a DGNSS service, which is a service to improve the, 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 improve the GPS positioning system down to a decimeter. Mm-hmm. I think we have a correct position on the meter now? I don't know. Something like that. But this will trim it down to the decimeter so we get more exact positioning. But wasn't the, the GPS system from the almost from the beginning very accurate to the centimeter, but it was, uh, they put some, you know, uh, inaccuracy to it because uh, the military wanted to, to keep uh, the, this accuracy from themselves. Yeah, I've heard such rumors as well. Okay, maybe not. It might actually be true. Okay. But I don't know it. (laughs) We leave it as an exercise for the listeners. Check that out. Right. Splendid. That's my cool thing. And, uh, well, Joel, do you have a cool thing? Yes, I have a cool thing. Okay, you won't think this is cool. Just boring. It's statistics. (laughs) Okay, you like statistics? (laughs) Numbers, high and low. I love it. No, I don't. Yeah, right. (laughs) Would you like to go to ourworldindata.org? Okay. Yeah, do that right away. 
Life around the world is changing rapidly. Here you find the data visualizations that show you how. Yes. Okay. Very interesting because you can extract almost any data from here uh, to to a data file, if you like. So as a uh, scientist, uh, this is very beneficial. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, in the right uh, upper corner, you have access the data entries. So you look there, you have like population growth and, and vital statistics, health, food and agriculture, resources and energy, environmental change, and so on. Uh, if, For example, if you go to food and uh, agriculture, maybe you are interested in, in uh, hunger and undernourishment. No, wait, wait we maybe go to, I want to look this up, uh, famines. <laughs> oh, that sounds cheerful. Yeah, very very okay yeah, we have this graph here for, uh, empirical uh, view famines since 1850 on a, a global base uh, and the, uh, you can get the, the number of famine victims by decade from 1860s to, to um, uh, 2000 uh, so you can see for example in eight, uh, 1870s you had uh, like uh, 21 million deaths and 1960, you have a, a peak at uh, 18 million too. So that's uh, a peak of, of that uh, period of 18 million. So that's uh, something some somewhere around the the uh, what is it called uh, green revolution. Do we say that in English? I think so. Yeah, the green revolution when we started to to use fertilizers. Oh right, yeah, and uh, a lot of other things. Uh, uh, to give the growing population of the earth uh, food. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and that uh, was a hit, actually. So, But I was uh, more interested in uh, technology and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, under topic technological progress. So I click on that. Then we can see, for example, the, uh, the number of uh, Moore's law, the number of components per integrated function. Um, there we have a gra graph from 1959 to 1975. You can see that it's totally uh, linear. I was more interested in what does it look uh, like today. Next graph there is uh, CPU transistor counts by dates of introduction. And you have exponential increase in compu uh, computational capacity over time from 1940 to, to uh, 2010. All these are very linear. And I was thinking, I thought it should, especially Moore's law, should hit a wall somewhere. But I need to research this a little more and see if I can find data up to today. They've said consistently that we will hit the point where we are manipulating single atoms and we can't actually create a transistor smaller no. or a CPU smaller than what we have today. But they... Somehow, when we reached some form of peak, they started to make more cores in the processors. Right. So, so we we not we are increasing speed, but we're not really really hitting that wall where we can't build anything smaller. But actually, you, you, then you have the other progress that if you actually are manipulating single atoms, mm -hmm. we are talking about uh, quantum computers, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, and they are computing a lot of data in the same time. Yep. Not one bit at a time. Instead, a lot of them. So so it's, you know, we have to maybe change our definitions here. And we must be close to that point. Yeah, 
where Moore's law isn't isn't working anymore. So we we should uh, research this web page a little more. I think it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to show one thing more. Yeah, increasing hard drive capacity from 1980 to 2011. This is also a, a, a exponential graph so it, uh, it looks linear and then you have um, it grows 10 times every every five years i think yeah every five years it is yeah right 10 times so yeah i, I uh, everyone should take a look at this very interesting web page yeah and that's the thing with uh, statistics they aren't really interesting in themselves but w when you show it like this when you uh, apply it to different countries or if you apply it to years in a sensible scale, then it's actually, then it means something. Yes, and then right. it is interesting. And when it um, is about something you are interested in, like hard drives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you like famines, but that, right. that's, that's I like, fair I enough. like famines, you like data. Okay. Yeah, we all have our <laughs> areas of interest. Splendid. Thank you for that cool thing, Joel. Let's get over to our main topic. So let's talk about artificial intelligence. I've just heard one radio show about it. Okay. They're in a series of four. So I will listen to them as well. It's um, the hidden code, the Yanda Koden. Oh, all right. The first show is about um, programs in, in smartphones and computers, which are so advanced that they can, can we communicate with them and think they are real people we communicate, mm -hmm. right? And that uh, raises, you know, questions about it's Turing's t theorem, no? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. The Turing uh, test is to see yeah, if you Turing can test. fool a, a human. Yeah, right. Uh, and I think no computer. No, or, or have a, a, compu a, a computer program actually passed the Turing test. When? But like six months ago. Uh huh. But they say it was a bit of a cheat because they tried to. They made the program act like a twelve-year-old foreign boy who couldn't speak that good English. Mm. And that way, they technically beat the Turing test. But yeah, well. Not really. No. Okay. Then we have the, um, with the help of, of mathematics, scientists could forecast how the democracy is developing based on movements of, of fishes in aquariums. Okay. Okay. I, I just read the, the you know, the uh, <laughs> summarize here on the, the webpage. So I, I haven't listened to this show yet. How, how, how all right. I don't know. I mean, I, I know you can extrapolate data from different kind of systems and transpose it to other systems and, and get some interesting results, but fish to democracy? Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, how they are moving, it's, it's um, you can extract, not extract, you could um, can view it in, in very, with a very simple mathematical model, very simple. Okay. Well, if you see a, a fish scowl or, or birds doing around, mm -hmm. It looks how how do they know where they are going and not collide into each other and the and d did you know that birds that's a flock of birds but geese that's a gaggle of geese I've never understood that a gaggle anyway. of geese yeah it is yeah, ah. I will uh, continue <clears throat> thank you <laughs> <laughs> for the information I mean yeah, right. yeah. so um, 
Well, the, the, the mathematical model they are using, or if they are using any, it's extremely simple. Mm-hmm. They are just going to the distance to any of their neighbor, so to speak, mm-hmm. going to be uh, the same all the time. The distance to all the other fish around them will be the same. All right. So if your neighbor to the left yeah, are going a bit further from you, you are going a bit nearer him and further for the, from the neighbor to your right. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, sure. So the distance it will be the same at the left as to your right. Huh. Okay, but, but who decides where they go? Well, uh, any, anyone could decide. If one gets scared, he is going to, to move in a direction from the thing that is scary. The scary thing, yeah, yeah, sure. Right? Uh, and the other will follow. Huh. That's very easy to comprehend, isn't it? So they actually act as one entity. Yeah, it is. Yeah, right. Cool. Uh, but Yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you've seen... Uh, what's that Dis- Disney movie? Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah, right. I have, yeah. Yeah, you have that skull of fish that actually they turn into a question mark and ah, arrows right. and stuff. Yeah, right. They act like one entity. And yeah. Yeah, it's cool. But how... I still don't get what the fish has to do with democracy. No, I don't know. No, oh, all right. <laughs> but that's in the program you haven't heard yet. Right. But yeah. but it's okay. <laughs> the, the simple mo- uh, you know, I like simple models because they tend mm-hmm. to be true. You more the more advanced, the more constructed they are. The more the simpler they are, the more they are, uh, they tend to be like correct. likely to be true. Likely now, well, true, yes. is is that really true? I mean, yeah, sure. The simpler they are, the more likely, or the, the easier it is to prove them. If you have a complex theory, it's harder to prove it correct. But that doesn't mean it doesn't, it, it can't be correct. Uh, maybe, but it's more likely that there's a completely other story, completely different to this advanced theory much more simpler way to view it, but we haven't found it yet. I th- think that's more likely, but I, I, I agree with you. Mm. We don't know. It could be. It could be uh, true. An advanced model could be true, too. But if you look at physics, I mean, Einstein's theories is definitely more complex than Newton's, but they are much, much more correct. They are much more precise Right. I mean, Newton's more simple explanations, they fail in a lot of cases, where Einstein's theories work. And I don't say that Einstein's theories are, are perfect, but no, they are better than the ones before. But I think, I think you know, we go on adding layers to layers mm-hmm. to our existing theories. Newton's theorem was completely right to the world we knew then. Mm-hmm. Then we go further and find... Uh, other things you know in the in the uh, outer space or something mm. which has to be explained then we put mm. just another layer to it uh, what happened if we experience a very dense gravity field yeah okay newton's theorem doesn't apply okay we have to put a new layer to it or high speeds or, or, or high velocity what happens then we have to put a new layer on it okay it tends to be true but then we have new layers, the quantum theorem. Mm-hmm. New, you know, yes, a quantum theorem is not one layer, it's many layers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the more layers you put on it, the more I think we are on the wrong track. 
maybe <laughs> when we find the uh, what is it called the the ultimate theory the, the yeah u- unified theory of, of physics right the unified theory when we find it maybe that the, it will be the only layer we need to explain newton einstein quantum mechanics everything and when we can forget about all of those layers and we have one layer i would say well that's the truth yeah all right all right and i know a lot of students all around the world who would love for you to be right since they sit with complex physics and ma- maths all right that they really don't want to learn hmm interesting yeah well i, I like simplicity so I, i like your theory so but i, I had to check this up what the, um, the the movements of of fish <laughs> fish cow hound that would help the <laughs> mathematicians to, to uh, forecast a future of democracy well i don't know no <laughs> all right but but what did you hear what did you learn in the first show the first program uh well they were very brief but um okay okay i didn't learn anything <laughs> because I knew, okay you it already no no i didn't <laughs> yeah, but, but that was the thing about the smartphones and that tend to fool us they are real people we are talking to mm, all right okay i have to re-listen to that i think <laughs> <laughs> but th- that has become a thing really it, it hasn't been on on the mind of the public consciousness earlier but we've had movies about people falling in love with technological devices mm, right there was some someone who married a robot or whatever it was and we can start to see now a situation where ai which is actually what we're talking about artificial intelligence could become so so perfect so perfectly mimicking the human conscience that we could actually relate to them as humans i mean we humans we can relate to cats and uh, we can anthropomorphize uh, things even that aren't alive and engage in a relationship with them of different sorts so why not a computer program yeah why not uh, how, how i i've been thinking about that how could i relate to a cat well the cat can relate to me it's obvious mm. um yep. my cat want to look me in the eyes uh when she she she's going to say say something i want food or something yeah exactly she's not talking to my leg or my neck <laughs> no. she always want to look in my eyes so uh-huh. well she she knows how to communicate with me and she knows when i'm not listening so that's shouldn't be too hard for a scientist uh, to to come up with a, a theorem how to mimic this yeah but but do we want to mimic it i don't know and why would we want to mimic it why would we like to create this kind of relations yeah well i i would say no i i want i don't want it <laughs> you're satisfied with a cat <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> well the artificial intelligence that's you know beneficial in in many ways i think but okay why do i need to be fooled of it mm-hmm. well i I can use it, uh, but I don't want to feel that my computer is fooling me. No, 
But but one example that they always bring up for where this would be a good idea is in the care of the elderly. All right. Have you watched that movie, by the way, Frank and Robot or something like that? Frank Franken. No, Frank and Robot. Oh. Uh, it was about an old man. I think it was something like that. Robot and Frank, that's the name of it, from 2012. You would like that movie. Mm. It's about an old man, and they uh, put him together with a robot. Is a robot built to care for the elderly. So it's got a complex AI. Yeah. So it's sort of a science fiction movie, but it's not that far into the future. And he hates it. I mean, you can't talk to a bucket of bolts, you know? But uh, he comes around, and the, the, it's a really interesting uh, relationship that grows between this robot and this old man. Okay, um, looks interesting. Robot and Frank. Yeah, you yeah. would like that. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, and, and th- that is one place where a complex AI able to evoke emotions in humans would be good to use. I mean, to care for elderly, I'm not saying that we should devoid them of human contact, that's not what I'm saying. But uh, we have a trouble taking care of elderly people uh, suffering from dementia or, or Alzheimer's disease or, or such, where they don't, we don't have the manpower to be with them day and night to give them the support that they need. But a robot that they would learn to trust could do that okay yeah i think it's um, proven that just just a pet in uh, retirement home yeah if you have a, you, just one pet a dog or a cat around there the um, uh, the elder ones they feel much better yeah w- without it taking care of them just being around so uh, you know you you need the, that kind of contact and, and, and possibility to, to communicate and bond to to another Richard. Mm. Uh, that reminds me of the uh, movie uh, Artificial Intelligence. Isn't that one about the the, yeah. the boy? That uh, it's a couple and they they get a robot boy. Yeah, exactly. And he he's like one hundred percent human. <laughs> you could be fooled to to believe that. Mm. Uh, and you know that movie and and a lot of other movies and books and so on. Don't they tend to? To condemn this kind of uh, thing, artificial intelligence that resemble us so much, but that is a cultural thing, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I mean, I mean, here we in the Western world, so-called, we tend to view robots and artificial intelligences as a threat to us. I mean, Terminator, they will rise to take over the planet. They will exterminate us. They will realize that humans are a threat. And they are, yeah, you know, Matrix and so on. But in, for example, Japan and Asia, their robots are the saviors. And you have a lot more of examples of uh, robots actually being benevolent. But then there are examples like Robot and Frank where we see something that is not a threat. And still, what can robots be? What can a program be more than we are? It's still humans who program them. Yeah. And what we put in them, the possibilities we put in them are what's there. So we're not creating life here. No. We're creating something that mimics life. Yeah. And the thing is, 
the more the important thing is that it mimics life so good that we humans are fooled. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that we still know that well it's not life, but if we think it is, if we can uh, we have a, a level of disbelief, suspension of disbelief so that we can accept it and relate to it. Uh, and in in uh, that movie artificial intelligence, mm. this boy he's not a threat, right? No. But the, this technology is it's it causes problems mm-hmm. because they bond too much to him. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not the same thing like uh, I robot or um, Terminator. They are real threats. That's not the case here. The only problem is that they tend to bond too much to this mm-hmm. little boy. So that's more like a psychological problem. Have you read Isaac Asimov's The Bicentennial Man? Uh, ah, right, that one. It's uh, isn't it also a movie? It's a short story. It's a movie. Robin Williams was yeah, in. Yeah, right. No, I haven't read it. I haven't uh, seen the movie. I think no, I haven't. Now that is interesting as well. They uh, they build a robot and it's quite intelligent. And as time goes by, he becomes more and more human-like. Okay. And this AI strives for becoming. A human, like like uh, Data in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Okay, right. They they want to become human as much as they can, and in the end, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. The thing that defines human existence, in their view, is that they, in the end, actually have an end, while the robot, as in AI, just continued to live on. So they introduce an artificial end for it. He makes sure that he will die. Uh And then he will die a bicentennial, a 200-year-old man instead of a 200-year-old robot. Uh So it's human to die. That's interesting. That's what they say in... But but that's also a, a part of it in AI, I think. The thing that makes him not human is that he continues on. Yeah, his that, parents die, but they disappear. It's, it's really creepy. He sits down there in the on the the, the water and, and just you know in yeah. several hundred years. That's creepy, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, it is. That's something we are not used to see. But still, that doesn't make them human. No, no, no. And we are not on a level, even near a level, where we can create an AI no. that has that driving force that has that uh, uh, ingenuity or even has the possibility to think on its own. So it's not a problem right now, but many talk about it. And wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Who was that? A couple of scientists. Wasn't it... uh, Wasn't Stephen Hawking in on that? They said that we are on the verge of creating AIs and we need to regulate it and think about the moral implications now. That's just a couple of months ago. Yeah, that... uh, Does it ring a bell? Yeah, but I don't remember in which circumstance. Let me do a quick search for that. (laughs) Let me have a look. Yeah, December 2014. So it's a few months ago. Let's see. BBC. Stephen Hawking warns artificial intelligence couldn't end man- mankind. 
Quote, Professor Stephen Hawking says, The development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. End quote. Hmm. Well, he should, be, he should know what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't know. He's half, half a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, you got a point. <laughs> well, so now we've been talking about the um, threats about artificial intelligence, but the r- real interesting thing, the possibilities... I think doesn't it lay in that the, the fact that it sh- could be adaptive, self-learning, mm-hmm. like um, you know, you don't have to put in all the data yourself. The system could self-extract data from uh, wherever it needs to, and it could use the data and, well, in in some some aspect, comprehend it, like um, Watson. You know, Watson? Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that actually could, I don't know really how it works, but it's in some way it extracts by himself, doesn't he? Why do I say he? It. It's, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? It. Mm-hmm. Anthropomorphizing. Right. Anthropomorphizing, yeah. Uh, and it, it doesn't have eyes, but I say he anyway. Okay, it. Extract data from, I don't know, from, from the web, I think. Yeah. A subsection of the web. Okay. And it could, you know, in some aspect, understand it because it can can use this data, put it together, and re- reply to questions put on this subject. So in, in some aspect, it can comprehend it in another way that a computer system could do earlier. And the IBM calls it a cognitive system. Yeah. So it's actually aware. That's what they're driving for. Yeah, the, of course, this is not awareness, but you know, it's yeah, it's a step on the way, uh, and that is a huge step, I think. But we have kind of t- building on what you're saying. We have sort of two different applications for this. We have, on the one hand, what you mentioned now, where IBM's Watson is an, ex- an example, where we use the logical and high pace possibility of the computer to deduce things. If you give it enough data, I mean, as humans, we have a sort of leap of intuition that a computer never could have, but a computer could crunch through a large amount of data and reach a conclusion if it just had that last part where it could reach a conclusion. Yeah. But we also have the other example of an implementation which is for example the mars rover Mm -hmm. i mean we have to remote control that but the more deduction the mars rover can do on its own it can use its sensors and it can see that well yeah i should probably go that way yeah and or, or rocks are starting to fall from a nearby hill. I better get out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> it right. doesn't have to wait eight minutes or however long it is for for the signal to go to Earth and then back again. I, uh, uh, that's Mars, right? Well, I don't know. It's not eight minutes. That's to the sun. But um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, sorry. A couple of <laughs> minutes, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I heard just recently that. Some claim to have proven that cars that drive... Self-driving cars, yeah? Self-driving cars are actually better drivers than we are. Yep. And they are accepted. They are um, 
accepted by humans, you mean? No, not by humans, by authorities to actually be out in the traffic. Oh, yeah, right. In the United States. Exactly, yeah. Somewhere, I think. Uh, or one uh, state, maybe. Yeah, and we mentioned on, on the, the episode, we did an episode about self-driving cars oh. uh, a couple of episodes ago. Okay. And they actually have self-driving cars here in Gothenburg as well. Oh, okay. So uh, it's Volvo, I think, who's, who's trying them out. Okay, yeah. So, so it's really it's growing everywhere, so, uh, all I, around the world. Yeah, and when uh, when self-driving cars actually are better drivers than we are, then you know, mm-hmm. that I I think we we are going to look at that as a very big step. But you still have the burden of responsibility. Ah. If you are uh, s- sitting behind the wheel and your car crashes into someone, kills someone. Yeah. Or on the other hand, I mean, I- even if. Because a lot of these systems already exist, but they are driver-assisting systems. Mm. So if you find something right ahead of your car, the brakes automatically turns on on full, mm. uh, even before you have the time to react and hit the brakes. Mm. But if you have this, either a self-driving car or driver-assisted system, I mean you got to end up in a situation where you have to choose between hitting the mother with a child or the old man. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to choose who shall die. Yeah. That is a hard decision for for human. And we probably don't know what we would choose if we happen to be no. in that situation. No. But it would be a greater chance of a successful outcome if the car could do that decision, make that decision on its own. But who tells the car what's morally right? Uh, how intelligent this car is, it doesn't matter. We don't want to, to give him the moral responsibility. And isn't there where the Western world gets scared? If we give a robot a, a moral imperative... Even if it's not thinking, we're not talking about self-aware or or alive as in science fiction. But if we give a robot a set of instructions, including moral decisions, hmm. isn't that where we get afraid that sooner or later that moral standard won't compare to our own? Yeah, it could. That, there, that's where it could go wrong, maybe. I mean, we are not in agreement, we as humans. Mm. Oh, right, no, we are not. What's morally correct in every situation. Oh, right, right. Uh, but what, what then if a computer system starts to become another part in it, where our appliances suddenly have different moral standards than we do? All oh, right. <laughs> uh, it is a hard topic, it, it's a complicated situation. And like what you are, were, were talking about uh, a little bit earlier, who will be responsible, me as a driver mm. or the car manufacturer? It won't be the car. Not, not the <laughs> car. That's impossible. <laughs> right. How we, however we look at it, no. it won't be the no, car. No, it won't be. <laughs> so if we can't make the car responsible, mm. how could we give him this moral imperative then? How can we let him choose if we don't let him be responsible for it? True. And in that case, if such a, a situation arises, do we want it to not make a choice? Suddenly the driver has to make a choice. Yeah, suddenly, yeah. And since the car didn't react, it, it's probably too late to make that choice even. Yeah, right. It flashes a little from there. Uh, what do you want me to do now? Do you want me to 
kill this pedestrian here? Or do you want me to? Wait, I have a flat tire. What am I going to do? I don't know. These are hard decisions everywhere. I'm hungry. I want to Please. All right, this took a turn for the weird. I had to pee. <laughs> Have you listened to the no, Swedish? Really, I had uh... to pee. <laughs> so could we take a break? Okay, sorry, just yes, kidding. Okay, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> Have you he- heard the Swedish uh, synth group uh, Spock? Well, I think so, but I don't mm-hmm. remember really. They have a song called "Human Decision Required." Okay, and that's it's a story about people settled on a moon base, and suddenly there's a moon quake or an explosion or something, and they are in really big trouble, and the air is leaking out. And as they phrase it, we turn to a friend for a little help, and that is the computer, the main AI. We need your help. What should we do? And the only response the computer gives them is human decision required. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the refrain of, of the mm-hmm. song. Human decision required. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're discussing here. It's a situation where human decision is required. Mm. Or are they becoming so great and and uh, smart that we can actually trust appliances to make that decision? Well, it's hard. Well, well, yeah, we maybe could trust it, but we don't want to. No. Because we don't want them to, to take the, this moral imperative. Uh, that you were, were talking about, the, uh, it reminded me of the, the movie Moon. Yeah, I've seen that. Right. I don't remember. the. Uh, is this, uh, you know, they are, uh, they are not uh, androids. They are, uh, they are uh, uh, clones. Yeah. So that's, you know, clones, they are human, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but are they people? Well, it, it, uh, unless it's a clone of a sheep. Yeah, right. So sorry. <laughs> then, then be. it's a sheep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um. <laughs> yeah. And my my father gave me this ability to speak, speaking cheap, speaking about cheap, speaking speak about cheap. No, sorry. <laughs> okay. Speaking cheap, mutton. Cheap, cheap. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're cheap. Okay. Yeah, but but that's also a bit... I mean, that's looking at the same question, but from the other side, sort of. We are beginning to change what it means to be human. Yep. And if we can... I mean, to, to create a clone of a person, we ha- I, as far as I know, we haven't done that yet. But sooner or later, who knows? We have also examples in science fiction, as usual, on what could go wrong. If you grow clones that are the same age as you, so that if you fall ill, if you need a transplant, you can get it from <laughs> your exact duplicate. But aren't they humans too? Should, should they be treated as uh, spare parts? Or if you clone someone, well, it's not just... I mean, it's not just the DNA that makes up a person. It's upbringing and what we have happened to us. Yes. And we are not there yet where we can imprint or copy a human consciousness. That's not possible. No. I mean, we we don't even understand a human consciousness. No. 
And it's not just a synapses, it's just not a memory. We, we just can't do that. So a clone has to be a human and a separate entity. These are hard questions. <laughs> yes, they really are. How much has to be left of a human to still call it a human? Yeah, that's a very tricky question, isn't it? This morning I heard on the radio, scientists has discovered a new method to uh, GMO. They could, you know, um, you know, GMO? No, no. no. Uh, gene modulating, uh, what's it called? Gene modified organism. Genetically modified organism. Right, right, right. And so that's been used now for a while. We have a lot of food that is treated this way. And now they have discovered a new way to do this. So they could change just very easily one bit in the DNA. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it could be done also on humans and uh, clones, human clones. Would that be okay? Well, we could treat some... uh, illness that are driving from the genes but we don't know what will happen because we have to raise this person and we'll see okay he he didn't develop this illness but what other implications are there maybe he glows in the dark (laughs) right (laughs) we don't know that so is that okay yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, to be glo- glowing in the dark, that's, oh, well, fun. Party trick. <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. You can read in bed. Don't have to turn no, on the no, lights. No. You just hold your breath then, and you, you have to flex some muscle that you don't didn't know you have. And then you, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glowing! <laughs> <laughs> and they would be easier to find when they're young. Yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, just yeah, very t- turn off the lights and yeah, you can see them. Yeah. Eh? Hide and seek has a completely new uh, way to cheat. <laughs> or the other way, way around to get invisible. Ooh. Would you do that? Yeah, that's not possible. Well, why not? You can't turn something invisible. Well, you could make it the, the same color as the surroundings. Or, yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, true. A com- chameleon effect. Yeah. Do you see this book? No, not really. Okay. Here you go. To think fast and slow. Right. And it's this guy. By Daniel Kahneman. Right. Yeah. He is a genius. I think so. Anyway. Okay. Uh, he is, uh, has, you know, uh, won the, uh, not the, it, it's not called the Nobel Prize in, in economics. It's called something else because it wasn't, mm. you know, Nobel who. Because who, it, it's not worth as much as a real Nobel Prize. No, yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, he's a genius. It's not real science, I mean. Uh, <laughs> but he's, it's it's um, this book is very much about statistics and how we think about statistics, and how, we, we we think in two different ways, okay? Mm-hmm. And the, the the fast thinking is what you earlier called intuition, mm-hmm. something like that. And you have the the slow way of thinking. Not because you are slow, but <laughs> dim-witted. Because you think analytical and logical on a problem, like maybe you have paper and pen and, and so on, and, and you're very analytical, get to to, to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. That's two different ways of thinking. And with connection to artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. could an AI system ha- have intuition? 
Well, an AI doesn't have a subconscious, so, well, no. No. Uh, or emotions. Right. Well, emotions are very important in this way, actually. It is. But what is intuition, basically? Well, if you look at it from the outside, outside of the box, you have an input and an output. Mm. It is one thing. It's You can analyze a huge amount of data. <laughs> amount yeah. of data. You can take in the surroundings and uh, the, the consequences and a lot of stuff right? in just a, a second. Because you, you have seen, maybe you have seen a baseball player catching the ball. Mm-hmm. So, and and you, have, you haven't done it before, but you have seen it. And you know, well, something like how it's done. You try a couple of times and you nail it, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, not okay, it's not easy, but you know how to do it. And that's intuition. You can't think analytical and, you know, derive how this is done. No. It's impossible because it's so extremely complicated mathematical functions you need to comprehend. So it's I- impossible. But anyway, you can do it. Mm-hmm. That's what intuition is, isn't it? You can analyze huge amount of data in a very short time because of the way our brain is uh, how it functions and you know the brain isn't like a computer who do one thing at a time the brain can do a lot of stuff at the same time okay mm-hmm. simultaneously yeah sure i just said say that very slow because it's so hard to pronounce okay <laughs> Right. So, yeah, I'm just saying that this could be done with a computer. But it wouldn't be in the... He wouldn't use intuition. He would actually crunch the numbers and do the hard calculations. Right. And perhaps even reach the same conclusion as we do faster. Yeah. But it would be the the other, more conscious way of thinking. Right. Because our, as you said earlier... We don't actually know how we are thinking. No. And yet we think. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, another very interesting book, it's called Descartes' Mistag. Okay. That's uh, the title in Swedish. And it's uh, the, the author is uh, Damasio. He's a neuroscientist, I think. And actually, it implies that we are thinking with the whole body. Okay. You know, that is uh, very flumit, kanske. Okay. It's a bit out there, yeah, yeah sure. Right. Uh, but when I think about it, it's not so strange. Descartes' error is the name in English. Emotion, reason, and the human brain from 1994. Yeah, all right. Yeah. And there are an, a number of real case studies uh, which proves how actually we are thinking and how we are feeling. And the feelings, mm-hmm. emotions are very. Uh, important in this process. For example, when you get scared of something, mm-hmm. how do you feel? Well, you may maybe get tense feeling in the chest. Fight or flight. Right. Yeah, sure. Or you get ne- nervous, you feel uh, butterflies in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why do you do that? Yeah, because the, your brain sends signals to your body that this is situation you have to respond to it we, we have to get the body prepared for this specific situation yeah if you go the other way around if you make the body having these feelings 
for example, you have pressure, you could have feel this tense in the, the chest from a number of reasons. It could be high blood pressure, maybe. I don't know, actually, if that's working mm-hmm. that way. All right. But it could be in your, you know, somatic ways. Mm-hmm. Then you will experience the same emotions. You will actually feel afraid. Uh-huh. Right. So the feeling is experienced in the body. If you just had your brain in a little, a little jar, you know what I'm talking about? I always wanted to be that, a brain in a jar. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, mm. right, right. Actually, you couldn't feel emotions, probably. Hmm. We think so, anyway. I haven't heard that before. Interesting. Yeah, and these emotions, they are needed in the process of intuitive thinking. Because right now you, you, you're getting a feeling something is strange here that you feel in your body, mm-hmm. but you don't know what. And you start to think with your slow thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get there. Uh, you remember, oh, right, I forgot to call my friend. I, I promised to call him today. Right. Okay. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I saw something here, but I didn't recognize it. But, you know, my subconscious saw it and made me feel awkward. Right. So that's a way of thinking. Feeling is a way of thinking. And it's a way of intuitive thinking. So I've been thinking a lot of this. How could we make a real AI system? Like you say, well, we could do it just regular computer, brute force. Mm -hmm. But the real thing, well, we have to make the computer or the system feel. We, we have to give him feelings so he can say, well, I want to do this. I want to think about this now. Because a computer, you just tell him what to do. But an artificial intelligence like the boy in that movie we talked about, mm-hmm. he thinks by him, himself. Then he must have the feeling that now I want to think. Now I want to eat. Now I want, I want to know more about this. So I go to Wikipedia and look it up. Mm-hmm. If you don't have feelings, you don't want to do anything. There are actually patients, they have these problems. They don't want to do anything. And they are like catatonic. They just lay there in the bed. They don't want to eat like coma, but they are conscious. That's very strange. But this part in the the brain isn't working. The part where you actually want to do things. They don't want to get up. They don't want to communicate with you. And those patients, when they wake up, they tell you that, well, I heard that you were there. You talked with me. You tried to give me food. But, you know, I just didn't want to do anything. Wow. Yeah. Huh. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So what you're saying is that motivation is sort of a physical aspect of humanity. Yeah, right. Hmm. And that's something that the artificial intelligence systems today doesn't have. And I I think we we don't know how to do that. No, true. Uh, I was thinking... (laughs) Well, what could make a computer or what could make an IA... AI, what could make an AI afraid? And immediately in my thought came a quote from 
the movie Short Circuit from 1986. Have you seen that? No. All right. The, the, it's a wonderful movie. It is very funny. Yeah, have a look at that sometime. I have it on DVD. You can borrow it. It's a war robot that gets hit by lightning and, well, he becomes alive. Okay. Eventually he understands that the army wants to disassemble him. And disassembling means death. Uh-huh. Please don't disassemble number five. It's a really interesting take on the artificial intelligence. He gets quite a specific personality. Mm. But still, if the feelings and a lot of intuition and such are connected to the body, then it's a part of the nervous system. And, well, they always said that the nervous system and the, I mean, down the spine and everything is a part of your personality as well it's yeah, a part yeah. of your brain yeah yeah it is so it's that's not strange no no actually if you think about it in that way right i mean it's not just the brain that is us no. it's well there's more of us yeah and then we return to the subject what defines a human being if you take off cut off arms legs prosthetics if you exchange the heart for one that's been 3D printed, or if you're, in the end, just a brain in a jar, where did you lose your humanity? Right. Hmm. It's uh, impossible to say, right? Uh, It's deep. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy thinking. Do you want me to, to, to answer it for you? You have an answer? Well, of course, I have an answer, but I, I, I didn't think that you would uh, spoil this. <laughs> Maybe for another episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. So everyone knows now that you have the answer, yeah, yeah, right, and that, right. that's that's great. Yeah, sure. Uh, in, in an upcoming episode, uh, so don't miss any episodes of the All in IT Radio because you will get the answer to life, universe, and everything. Yes. Right. And. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe not to life, but to everything. Good enough, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So we're nearing the end of this episode of All in IT Radio, and we've had a really interesting discussion, I have to say. Uh, You've been a a wonderful guest to have here, Joel. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Yes, this was really interesting to talk about, because I haven't talked about anyone with uh, about this topic since I, I i read these books so that thank you kenneth really? all right good yes splendid and we're really happy and the audience is really happy that you wanted to share these thoughts with me and them of course and we hope that you will follow all in it radio everywhere it's possible you find us in social media at google plus twitter identica or whatever it's called nowadays you can send us an email at show at AIT.sc, and we really appreciate your feedback. If you go to AIT.sc slash radio, which is our webpage, you can find a little button in the right-hand corner where you can actually send us an audio reply. We really love for you to do that. The music for this episode was Rondo, made by Doc in Finland. And he has released that under a Creative Commons BY 3.0 license. You may find it at Gemendo, and the links will be in the show notes as per usual. And we should mention before we go 
off the air. Joel, how does people get in touch with you? If they want to follow you and hear more of your insights and wisdom, if they want to give you an example or perhaps some uh, feedback regarding your deep thoughts, how do they go about that? Well, uh, I was thinking about a little challenge. So uh, if someone wants to contact me and they actually find out how to do that, I will be interested in talking to this person. So, And it's not so tricky as it sounds, actually. Oh, all right. But you, you, you have to find it out, okay? Yeah, right. Fair enough, fair enough. A challenge to all the listeners. Yeah, right. Both of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, both of them. <laughs> so if some of you actually finds a way to contact uh, Joel, uh, please let me know so I can do it as well, because, yeah, it, this was fun and I want to do it again. All right, this is all for this time, and we turn over to this episode's music as we continue our journey through the universe. Thank you, and goodbye.
So, do you want me to uh, introduce you with your last name or without? Uh, well, it's okay with uh, both. Yeah, everyone so far that has been co-hosts have been introduced with a last name. Yeah. I mean, Hen- Henrik and I, we introduced ourselves with our last name in the first episode, and that's the only time. So, at the first appearance, usually we use both names. Yeah, it's a little yeah. um, too hard to find me if uh, they only have my my first name. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have one cool thing that you would like to mention? No. <laughs> no. Can you make up one? Uh, should I make up something? So, n- nothing from reality then. Okay, no. Uh, um, well, anything. I mean, something you stumbled upon. Please don't hate me. Uh, it's a lot of um, layers. In that topic. Like ogres. Uh, ogres? What? <laughs> ogres have layers. Like onions. Uh, what's ogres? Ogre? Tresktroll. Ah. Shrek. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry, I don't know them. Manipulate. Manip- ma- manipulating. Uh. This took a turn for the weird. Okay, so I forgot to say. Okay, that's uh, stupid. Very stupid of you. Uh, oh, future. I'm so sorry. No, you are not. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't believe. Veckans pausfågel. What? That is a very hard concept to translate. They don't have Veckans pausfågel in on the BBC or anywhere else. As I, at least, uh, uh, I haven't been able to find it. But they have John Cleese. <laughs> <laughs> but how fishes actually? Um, fish, fishes, fish. Yeah, fish. One fish, two fish. It's fishies. <laughs> fishies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. The... Okay, uh, fish tindo. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, isn't that like? Ooh, good question. Scowl. Isn't that a word? Stim. <laughs> yeah, it's scowl. That's how it's. Pronounced scowl? I don't know. Well, I, I've anyway. only read it. Anyway, yeah. Um, Bunch of fishes. So, where were we going with this topic now? Uh, uh, no, please don't disassemble Mr. Number Johnny Five or whatever he says. Sorry, now I have to pee. Go for it.
here I come to save the day. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, uh, is this what we are going to talk about today? This is what we have talked about today. Yeah, right. So, but did you have another plan? Uh, well, yeah. Ah, right. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. This was much more interesting. Well, because I could talk more about it. Or do you want yeah, to I, change topic? I, I I believe you could. Let's see. You, you, because you were earlier talking about intuition, and uh, and I I could I could talk about that if you like. <laughs> I guess I, I, I'm sure you could. What was your topic? No, I just wanted to talk a bit about you. But um... ah, right, that's interesting. Okay, so we take my topic. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Thanks. And now we go over to recording the outro. Ah. But I just want to ask you first, how do you want to be mentioned? As a flat tire. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm, I mean, uh, usually I say that, yeah, and if you want to get in contact with uh, Henrik, you go to Twitter at WarpFuzz. If you want to contact uh, Robbie, you can find him on, on Google+. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Well, uh, but, you can say that if... If someone wants to contact me... Leave a message in a bottle on the back of the nearest Ica supermarket. <laughs> uh, well, the bat signal is working. Okay. That's one yeah. possibility. Some music there. 